Pretty excited. Um, I, I got a call from the jail last week, and I've been working with some people at the jail for a long time. I, I would say that the people that pushed it the most were uh, Dr. Reb Close and Dr. Casey Grover. And the jail launched today what they call the MATS program, which is the medic, med, medic, eh, medication-assisted treatment program within the jail. So they select people from the jail. They put them in a separate part of the jail. Um, I'll be going up there weekly to meet with them. And each person in that unit, it's a separated unit, will be able to leave the jail and go straight into a program. So it's pretty exciting that the jail has... Uh, put their resources toward this. It's something that's been talked about for a really, really long time. I got a call the other day um, letting me know that it was starting. I'm like, yeah, I know it's going to start someday. Well, when's it going to start? And they said, well, actually, it's starting Monday. And, and I actually did hear today that it did start. And so I'll be going up there this week. It's pretty exciting that the jail is actually doing that. And more people that need treatment are going to be able to get treatment. So uh, kudos to them. So... So I'm gonna. Uh, we are in in Romans chapter two. Who likes um, who likes to be corrected? Right? Does anybody like to be corrected? Told what to do, how to do it. In hindsight, exactly. I remember when I was. Um, I actually lived here in Monterey when I was in fourth grade. My stepmom took us in the middle of the night, moved us up here. Um, basically kidnapped us away from our dad, which was a good thing. So don't say, oh, that's terrible. It was a good thing. She did it for a good reason. But when I came up here, I was so pigeon-toed that I would trip over my own feet all the time. And if you don't know what pigeon-toed is, that's your feet turned in. And it was awful. I was always tripping and falling because I was, it wasn't because I was clumsy. It was because I had a, an orthopedic problem. My mom took me to this doctor in Pacific Grove, and he said, oh, you have to wear braces and so I had these big old honking things and these special shoes, and they were designed to turn my feet out. I got teased. I got picked on. You know, as you imagine, as a, as a fourth grader, you would. And uh, I hated it. But what it did over the two years that I had that was it corrected my walking so that I no longer tripped and fell, and I no longer got teased for that. So it was a, even though it was a horrible time, it was a time that was necessary for correction so that I could live the rest of my life um, and, and be better for it. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at the book of Romans. And today I'm calling this whole section God's standard for all, you know, because God does have a standard for us, but many times we may need some correction, some course correction to get us back in order. I remember the, the days before, before, before the smartphone. I remember the days before basically any kind of sailor phone. We had maps. You had to pull out this big old giant map that you, you couldn't even open the map in your car. And everybody thought the whole new world had come when they came out with the Thomas Guide. It's actually a map where you actually could just see where you're going on a page, and then continued on page whatever, and then go find that page. And then, and then they came out with like the garments for your car, right? And then they came out with the GPS where you can just, I went to Prunedale Market um, on uh, 
Love Croondale Market. Great barbecue. Went there on Saturday for some barbecue. And I've been there many, many times. And I'm like, I told Tommy, I, I, I'm not going to use my GPS. I know where it's at. And then I found myself on this dead-end street looking at the freeway. And I'm like, how did I get here? So I had to take my smartphone out, meaning smarter than me, and I had to say navigate to Prunedale Market. So what I had to do was allow for a course correction. I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. I was hoping just to make a few turns and, and end up where I wanted to, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. So I had to admit that I was wrong. I had to say I need a course correction, and, and Siri gladly navigated me to my awaiting tray of ribs and sausages and smoked potatoes and corn chowder, soup, making myself hungry here. Um, so, but it was that course correction that got me there. And I think there are times that we need a correction, and we may not necessarily like it, but it's going to get us where we need to be, whether it's a direction or it's where we need to be in our life. Because really, God does have a plan and a purpose for your life. He does have a place he would like to see you be. But sometimes we need to accept some correction so we can actually get there because we don't know it all. If we knew it all, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here, right? My best laid plans got me in rehab four times, right? That's, that, that was the best I could come up with. You know, and I thought I was pretty slick. I went to school, I became a fireman, then I became a paramedic. And so I, I had some smarts, but not smart enough to not end up in rehab four times and lose my jobs and lose my career and lose my family for a season. So obviously I needed some course correction, but I had to, and we have to, or you have to, be willing to accept that course correction, whatever it looks like for you, um, if you want things to go well. You know, we were looking last week, and we it kind of, one of the sections there kind of ended on not such a sweet note, um, and I'll actually pull it up here in a second, but in this section, Paul is going to be speaking to basically the religious person. Does anybody know what a religious person is, right? Some, sometimes a religious person just has enough knowledge to be annoying, Right? I'm, I'm, I'm like one of those, I'm, I like to call them, or we had a pastor that used to be here, and he used to like to call them sin sniffers, right? They know everything you're doing wrong, and they, they actually look for what you're doing wrong. They are sniffing out, what are you doing wrong? How are you not following what you're supposed to be doing? And they are going to so quickly point it out to you. Like all of your errors, all the ways that you've gone wrong, they are so happy to point all of those things out to you. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 1 through 5. It says, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things that we know the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Verse 3, it says, do you suppose, O man, judge those who practice such things, yet do them yourselves? You will escape the judgment of God. I have to try to not comment here, so I'm going to go. Or do you presume the riches of his kindness and forbearance and the patience of 
not knowing God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because your hand and 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 impertinent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. I think there are times when we so willingly, like it says, therefore you have no excuse, the man of you who, who judges. So it's so often, and it's true, but we, and, and I hate to say it, and we hate to admit it, is we all know that person that just, you don't know why, but they just annoy you. And you're thinking, but I'm a, I'm a Christian man or I'm a Christian woman, and I'm not supposed to feel like that. But why does that guy, every time I get around him, he just annoys me? Or that girl, what, what is it about her that just annoys me for no reason? Well, experts would say, and I have to agree, that there is something in that person that reminds you of yourself, right? And that thing that that person does that annoys you, you do the very same thing. And that's why you're annoyed with them, because you're annoyed with yourself. You're annoyed with the fact that you do that, and you're even more annoyed when someone points it out, right? Nobody likes to have their faults pointed out, but this is really true. Therefore, you have no excuse of one of you who judges. Like, we... we Judge people, uh, John Maxwell is this speaker, I really like him. He says, we judge others on what they do. We judge ourselves on what we intended to do, right? You didn't do a very good job cleaning the yard, or you did a really bad job mowing. Look at all the spots you missed, right? We don't judge ourselves like that. We judge ourselves saying, well, if I would have done it, it would have been done right, right? And it's really not fair to judge yourself on something you haven't done or the way you would do something if you haven't actually done it. So that's just kind of a thing that we do. You know, oh, that's, that's terrible or that's messy or, you know, why did you do it like that? Or if I would have done it, it would have been so much better. Well, you didn't do it, right? But that's what we tend to do. We tend to judge people on what they do, but we judge ourselves by what we, what we meant to do. So... You see the double standard there? We have that double standard. We should judge them ourselves as we would judge them. Well, maybe I wouldn't do such a good job either. You know, maybe I need to learn how to do that better. You know, why is that, why is that person so annoying? Because they they're always talking about people. Well, maybe it annoys us because we ourselves tend to talk about people, right? There's a lot of different things that drive us crazy about a lot of people, um, and my, I used, I have four kids, but my youngest son and I, we used to just, we used to just butt heads like hard. And Michelle didn't make things any better for me. She would say, you're butting heads because you're just alike. And well, that made me even angrier. So now I'm mad at him and now I'm mad at her. And if you really look at the silliness of it, I'm mad at both of them because they're both kind of Right. We're butting heads because we're so much alike. And I want to correct the things in him that I never could correct in myself. But in order to do that, you have to self-reflect. And you have to say, yeah, I have had or have all those flaws. But nobody likes to point out their own flaws. Nobody, you guys all admitted when we started tonight that none of you really like to be corrected. 
You know, when Pastor Manny uh, came to live at the bridge for a week, um, and he shared with the staff the other day, he said, I was angry a lot, you know. He said, I'm there, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the executive pastor of this church, I'm there working on the hill at the store, and there's some joker that's been in the bridge for two days who doesn't know what he's doing, but he's telling me what to do. Does he not know who I am? And no, he didn't. He said, you know, I said, no. He said, well, it's obvious by the way he's speaking to me, by the language and the stories he's telling me and how he's referring to people. It obviously has no idea who I am, you know. And then he decided one day he kind of had enough, so he decided he's going to go on for, he's going to go for a walk, <laughs> which is against the rules. You don't just go for a walk by yourself. And he's down at Lover's Point, and he has the unfortunate luck of running into Vanessa he was like, and she's like, what are you doing here? And he goes, what do you mean? I'm going for She said, you're not allowed to. He says, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going to turn you in. So she picked up her phone and she sent a message to all of the leaders saying, why is Manny out at Lover's Point walking by himself? Yeah, and, he, and he said, but it really, it really, it really made me mad. I'm like, I, I can't even do that. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I like... He didn't like the little corrections, but what it made him realize, it made him realize a lot of things about himself that really helped him. He's like, if I can't even, if I'm having a hard time, he said, I was ready to graduate after the third day. You know, <laughs> his wife was ready to have him home after the first day. Um, but what he said was it taught him things about himself that he wasn't so happy to know. He said, I thought I was a servant, but I, I, I'm really not compared to what I see these men and women who don't have jobs, who don't have families, who don't have all these things, you know, they, and they're servants, they're serving, they're learning, they want to learn, they want to be taught, they want to be molded, they want to be corrected. And me here, the executive pastor, I'm like getting bent out of shape because I can't go for a walk by myself. So, no, you can't. He got in trouble actually a lot. Uh, <laughs> he was breaking the rules every day, right? But, but it was good. It taught him a lot about himself. And the reason that we go through the Bible or the Scripture chapter by chapter, by verse by verse, sometimes I look at it and go, oh, I don't really want to talk about that tonight. But that's the beauty of doing it this way, the expositional teaching, is that I don't, get to, I don't just get to get, get up here every uh, week and tell you how much Jesus loves you and how awesome you are, and it's sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and fluffy clouds and In-N-Out Burger in heaven, you know. <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I get to tell you is that sometimes we just got to Shut up and sit down. Sometimes we have to be corrected. We have to know that we are imperfect and we need course direction. And it's not always fun. What do you mean when I'm on a diet, I can't eat whatever I want? I mean, I'll, then I'll go on, let's take the person that says, I, I'm on two diets, that way I can get enough to eat, right? <laughs> and then I have, I have my, my wife who every time I pick something up that's not on my eating plan, that's not on your plan. It's my birthday. Come on. It's my birthday dinner. Leave me alone. But it's not on your diet. No, it's not. So leave me alone. 
But see how those little things annoy us, even though they're meant to correct and keep you in the, in the very direction or the very thing that you said you wanted? You know, people come to programs all the time because they say, I want to change my life. I want to know Jesus. I hear that all the time. I want to know Jesus long, more. I want to get to know him better. I want my life back. I want to learn to do the right thing at the right time. And then, you know, it's like three days later, well, it's too hard. It's too hard. I don't want to do it. That's what happens with people who sign up for gym memberships, right? You watch the Olympics. You want to be an Olympic gymnast, so you join a, you join a gymnastics club. And a week later, they don't care if you left because you're paying, you're, you're paying every month because you forget to cancel it, right? You're, so you're paying every month for probably a year and a half. of like, Oh, I'm not going to use the gym membership. Like Michelle wanted a personal trainer. And a, and a gym membership for her birthday. So I went across the street because she promised me I will go and I will use all of that personal training. A week later, she's like, eh, I don't really, you want, you want my trainer? The sessions are paid for. I'm like, I didn't like the trainer. Well, when, when in reality, what it boils down to is we like the idea of being fit and healthy. We don't like the idea of putting in the work. Like I said, I made the mistake of joining that very same gym. And the problem is when you're on the treadmill at that gym, I'm looking at my house. On the treadmill, I'm looking at my house. I'm like, why am I here? I could be in my living room. I could see it's right there. So I'll go home and put on YouTube and do some exercise. No, you're not. And I never did. And I would talk myself off of that treadmill every time. And so I never got the results I was looking for. But as we go through this scripture and we read this thing, Matthew 7 says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the, the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, this is telling us that if we're going to look at other people and correct them, maybe we should take the correction for ourselves, right? And these people that he is talking to, are these are what I would call the religious people who know just enough, like, should you be doing that? And should you really be doing that? And are you, you're, you're not supposed to do that. You know, we all know people like that that do that. And are they doing it for the right reason? I don't know. A lot of people point out faults in others because it makes themselves feel better about who they are, right? I was taking a picture recently with Nate and Tony, and I made a joke to Tony, I love taking pictures with you because it makes me look really skinny, right? <laughs> right? And I didn't mean that as a cut to him. What I, what I meant that was, to me, it's like, well, if I would get off of my backside and do the things that I need to do, I wouldn't need to worry about taking a picture next to somebody bigger to make me look smaller. I would just be smaller, amen? But often we do those kind of things so that we can avoid doing the very thing that we need to do, the very things that are being pointed out or that we're pointing out. If that guy would just get a job, right? Or if that girl would just get a job, you know, well, and, you know, and the person saying it may not even have a job because you're judging them on the way and you're judging it. Well, I, I'm going to get a job, right? I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm going to take care of this and I'm, 
I'm going to get back enrolled in school, and I'm going to get a degree, and I'm going to have a good job. Well, that's good. But the reality is you spent a lot of times pointing that about other people instead of actually yourself taking those things and spending that time and bettering yourself and putting the effort into yourself so that you can actually change. And it's tough. It is. It's tough. Change is tough. Amen? Amen. If, it, if it was easy, then it would be easy. The number one best-selling books on Amazon, anybody know what they are? Hands down, self-help, all right? I have probably 100 books on juicing, okay? <laughs> Ask me if I use them. So, no. And, I, and I always, when, we, when, we, when Michelle and I go through our things where we're going to clean out stuff, right? I'll go, well, I'm just going to get rid of these. Well, I'm going to use them. We've had them for like 12 years, all right? Look at, the, look at the, the blender on the front. They stopped making those like 15 years ago, you know? Julia Childs is long gone, right? So it's like, so we have all these juicing books, and we have all these keto books, and I think it makes us feel good to buy books about ways that we can change who we are and how we feel about ourselves, but the problem is we don't ever do it, and we don't apply that stuff. So the idea is, is if you could change your mindset, see what I'm saying? And the way you think about stuff and the way you look at yourself and the way you look at others, maybe you could start to change the way you think. And then maybe if that happens, you could change the things that you're doing. You know what I mean? I'm going to quit being so judgmental. I'm going to quit pointing things out that everybody, every, oh, you're a slob and you're a slob and you're a slob and you're a slob, you know? Well, maybe quit spending all your time doing that and look at your, your own area. Is How clean is my area? Well, I, I bet you that person is probably at the messiest area. Like, it's like, no, actually, I'm a slob. You know, but if we point it out from others, it takes the spotlight off us. And that's not, that's not how we want to do it. And that's not how we want to live as believers. We want to be open to correction. We want to be able to do the things that we need to do to change so that we are not that religious person when we develop a relationship with Christ, it's supposed to be a relationship where you don't judge people, but you come alongside and you help somebody. You know what? Let me help you do that. You know what I'm saying? Michelle hates to, hates to do laundry. She, she does her laundry. She doesn't like to fold it, right? Because there's times I'll gather up all of her laundry and I'll take it to the dry cleaners, and they'll, they'll launder it all. They'll put it on hangers, and everything is folded, and I'll bring it home. But then she doesn't like to put it away, right? And that kind of drives me nuts at times. And so what I say to her all the time, and she'll tell you this, can I help you put all your stuff away, right? Can we do it together? I said on Sunday, can we... After we go out and eat dinner, can we come home and can we together put your laundry away? Didn't happen, but you know what I'm saying? Did it herself. But what I'm saying is it's the way you come at somebody. Can I, can I help you do that? You know, it's one thing to tell somebody what to do. It's another thing. A good leader will actually say, let me do it with you. Let me... Let me actually stand next to you when I watch Greg in the, in the grill with the guys doing the culinary lessons. They have these, 
these skill tests they have to do where they have, they have to take different types of vegetables and they have to do these different cuts and they have to be like uniform and they get graded on them and they have to take pictures and send them to the, to the Ruby company where a chef can look at them and say yay or nay. And many times I've watched Greg stand with them and say, no, it's like this and it's like this and it's like this. I was watching him the other day help one of the ladies cut zucchini just so patiently like, no, it's not supposed to look like an S, you know. So let's put the knife against here. Let's lean in and let's slowly, it's not a race. Let's do this so that we can have each cut of the zucchini be uniform and be pleasing to the eye. So what makes that good is that person being willing. What makes Greg a good instructor is his willingness to say, let's, let's do this together. Let's learn this together. Let's accomplish this together. And then when you do that, you feel good about what you're doing. I feel good that I helped you do it. So, so the biblical way would be to help somebody see the things that they need to change, not by, by pointing a finger at them and telling them they're doing it wrong. It's better to say, let me help you do it. You know, it's the way you approach somebody that's going to open them up or shut them down. If you, if you run at somebody and just jump down their throat, they're going to shut down, right? I had that, I, had that I, I, I tried to talk to somebody this morning. Um, I was talking to them in a parking lot, and they just shut down. It was like, it was over, like instantly. It was just, it wasn't going to change, right? He would say I didn't come at him correctly, and I would say, I've come, I would say I come at him a million times, so it just didn't go the way any of us wanted it to go, but I'm willing to do it again. You know, I'm willing to learn to try and to come at that again. But as believers in Christ and brothers, if we're really truly brothers and sisters in Christ, then we should together work through these things. It says, is it not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your heart and impertinent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself. Because your attitude is you're, you're having all these problems, you know, an angry person is just miserable, right? You have um, high, pressure, high blood pressure, you're miserable, you're angry. There's nothing good. You're not, you're not gaining from anything that you're doing because you're just so angry all the time and upset. Nothing's going your way because maybe you're looking at things in the wrong way or the wrong direction. Maybe you just need to slow down, back down, and help somebody see the right way. But you can only do that if you yourself are also that kind of person. Am I willing to be shown what to do? Am I willing to say I'm sorry? Am I willing to take correction or direction? If you're not willing to take correction or direction, then really, is anybody even going to listen to you? You know, I get corrected. You know, I have, I have staff over me. I get corrected. Believe it or not, I get corrected all the time. You know, because I'm a, I'm a lot more rambunctious than most of the people on the staff. You know? <laughs> If I go away with all the male pastors for like a weekend and we're in a hotel, man, I am just, I am cutting up. And then I have to remember, oh, I'm with Nate and Manny and Pastor Matt and Pastor George, you know. So sometimes I have to slow down. I can't do the crazy things that I would do. Like Michelle would always say, always say well, you're not with, you know, like when we're doing something and, I'm, and she's like, I'm not a bridge guy. You know, so kind of dial it back a little bit, you know. You know, but, and it's okay to have fun as a Christian. It is. 
It, it is okay to have fun. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you are, a, that you are no fun, that you are just... It, it, what matters is that your willingness and ability to be corrected and understand who God is and accept God's grace and God's love and give it, right? Not, doesn't mean you, there's no fun. A lot of people say, oh, I don't want to be a Christian because it's no fun. You know, that's not true. You can have plenty of fun, plenty of fun, and be who you are. I mean, that kept me from being a Christian for a long time because I would come here with Michelle and I would look at certain people and I would say, I... Uh, if being a Christian means acting like that guy, and I liked the guy, I did, but it was like, that guy is like totally inverted, totally nerdy, doesn't smile, doesn't laugh, you know, I mean, like, I can't be like that, you know, I mean, that, I, I, that to me, that's like boring, but that's stereotyping somebody, but we, we tend to do that. What Bob shared when he was talking is we have to be open to the way people are doing things now, you know, and be sensitive to it and, 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 and love them and, and share with them and be willing to walk with them, you know. And that's what it's about. But it starts with us being willing to be corrected and, ha- and be able to do things. And then you can, have, you can have fun working with people and showing people things and walking with them and working with them. And you yourself continue to grow and mature as a believer. It's fun. You know, you get to hang out and you get to, you get to have fun. And the best part is you, don't, you get to remember it the next day. You don't have a hangover. You don't wake up in jail. How did I end up in jail? You know, I think the worst phone, well, I didn't even get to make the worst phone call of my life. When I got arrested, the detective called Michelle. I didn't even get to call her. <laughs> I'm like, I was dreading the call, but then he just calls her. Well, I know why he did it, because he actually called my house like three days earlier and told both of us basically what, uh, that was the day's first speaker phone, telling both of us on the phone that we're watching you, we're following you, next time you come to Salinas, or I'm going to arrest you. So, did I heed that warning? <laughs> Obviously not. Um, but... I, but listen to me, I wasn't a believer at the time, but I was, a, I was a firefighter paramedic, and I would tell people every day on calls in the ambulance that were overdosed on heroin to have to give them Narcan, bring them back to life, resuscitate them, the whole thing. I would lecture them on how stupid it is to use heroin, right? Seriously. There were many times I would be in Chinatown, I would score dope, I would shoot up in Chinatown in somebody's car, and then I would leave because I'm late for work. I would come back, grab an ambulance, right, with my partner, get a call for an overdose, a heroin overdose in Chinatown on Bridge Street. I'm there putting the monitor and the oxygen and admin- starting an IV and getting ready to administer Narcan to this person. I'm looking at the people saying, like, shut up. Like, you don't know. And I was just with him like two hours earlier. So that, you know, and that, that's a hypocrite. You know, I knew better. But when you, when you change your life and you become a believer, you, you can't do those kind of things anymore. You can't get caught up in that hypocrisy. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk or else just keep your mouth shut, you know. But that's why Paul is just really correcting that religious leader because they already, in the previous chapter, 
I mean, there was all kinds of warnings of the things you're doing are wrong. They're not right. Who do you think you are? You know, it's, let me think, I actually marked it. This was the warning they got in the previous chapter. Same people. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to the impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged for the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served creatures rather than creator. So they already know what's up. They've already been warned. And now, again, how many times, how many times have we been warned more than once? Like, to like change your ways. How many of you, I love this because I, I, it was me all the time. How many of your teachers in, in told you in school, you're going to regret this someday that you didn't pay attention? Anybody hear that? Right? I have, on, next to my bed, I have this table that Michelle puts plants on. My sister Becky brought me over a bunch of my fourth, third and fourth grade report cards. And that's all they say. Like, Mike doesn't pay attention. He doesn't sit still. He doesn't listen. You know, this is going to cause him trouble in the future. Mm. Right? Right? Because I assumed, I assumed that it would just all happen. I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to graduate high school. No, I... I I left high school six weeks before I graduated. I left. My teacher, my counselor begged me on the phone, please, you will regret this. You will regret this for the rest of your life. So six weeks later, I drove and I watched my class graduate through the fence. I was too ashamed to walk out there and to see my friends and to connect because I made a really poor choice. I would say, and I tell this to Michelle, it's probably one of the biggest regrets in my entire life. So my teacher was right, or my counselor was right. This, you're going to regret this. And I tell people all the time, let God do the work he set out to do in you, or you will at some point in time regret it. I hate nothing more than having this conversation with a man or a woman and then have to go visit him in jail a month later. Or get a phone call, hey, Pastor Mike, I just got sentenced to 25 years in prison. I had that phone call. I was super stoked to hear from him, and I'm so, even more stoked that, that with a good time he was out and he's sitting in here tonight, but that phone call was like, the phone call was, you were right. I should have listened. I shouldn't have left. I should have done what I was asked to do, but now I just arrived at, at prison, and I, I'm going to do 25 years. For me, it was heartbreaking, like 25 years, that's a long time. You know, I think, he, I think he 12, 13 years of it, and then he got out, and we were able to pick him up and, you know, have him come back into the program. But if you asked him now, oh, I'm listening this time, right? I am listening this time. I'm going to pay attention. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to listen because I don't want to be that guy anymore. And that's what it's about. So you don't want to be the one that's getting constantly corrected or exhorted, then we should just listen to the little corrections that we get, sometimes you got to bite your tongue, right? It's like if you think about it, when, when your kids are little, you spend the first, 18, the first year of their life te teaching them how to walk and talk, right? You spend the next 17 years telling them to shut up and sit down, right? You know, that's what it kind of boils down to. So take the moments that you have to learn. Take the moments that you can to um, take the things that you need to change your life in a direction that you need it so that you can be, so that you can honor God with your personal relationship, that you could be that person that's going to be there for the next person. Um, 
that, that's, that may need you. you may, God may be preparing you with your life so that you're there for the next person, right? There's nothing more rewarding than, you know, to see a family restored, you know, to see moms get to see their kids, you know, to be there to celebrate life together. But we're going to have to kind of get off the high horse of not liking to be corrected, and we're going to have to be willing to be humble and be teachable because if you're here tonight, honestly, it's because you ran into some issues and that need some attention, and you should allow that to happen. And, and I, could, I could line, I could fill a whole room up full of people that 10 years later would tell you, it was tough, and I am so, so glad that I did what I needed to do because my life is so different. You know, when I look at Chelsea, who left the bridge and then started to work for Second Chance and then left that job to go work for Chomp, she took the same job that Michelle used to have at Chomp, you know, in the same department, working with all the same people. And it was just, it was just crazy watching that level of restoration. And I've seen it time after time after time, and it breaks my heart when someone cuts that process short and doesn't allow God to do that completed work in their lives. So I'm going to have the worship team come back up. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for, for Bob, the worship team. Thank you that we could worship and praise God together. Um, again, I want to just thank, uh, thank you for the work that's being done at the jail, helping the, the addict. I also want to pray for uh, one of Alex's fa family members who was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor today. We, Lord, we just pray for that entire family. We pray for the doctors, the surgeons, the nurses, everybody involved in the healthcare, Lord, and we just... Uh, just pray for, for mercy in that situation. In Jesus' name, amen.